Code Fund Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash sustain. Hello and welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source in the long haul. Who are we? Where have we come from? Where are we going? Today we have me, hello, and Justin on the call. Hello, everyone. And then we also have two wonderful guests today, Megan bird Sanicky. Hi, everybody. Hello. And Dwayne O'Brien. Hi, it's great to finally be on the show. So... This is a continuation of our mini COVID-19 coverage series. It didn't seem to make sense to keep going with a normal podcast, so we're switching a bit to talk about how how does the open source ecosystem deal with this? How do we as open source developers think about this? How do we as members of foundations that can't host our conferences think about this? I invited on Megan and Dwayne, or we did rather, because they've been really instrumental in something which we've mentioned before on this show, FOSS responders. FOSS responders is, well, why don't, why don't you share it? Dwayne, what is FOSS responders? So we started from just a brief conversation between Megan and I. As conferences started getting canceled, it feels like months ago now, but it was actually just a few weeks ago. And I think we're both fairly heavily involved in going out and speaking at conferences or engaging with folks at conferences that serve the free and open source software community. And as we saw all these waves of cancellations, I was in the process of reaching out to my team talking about, here's how we're going to respond to this wave of cancellations. And I, as soon as I had finished sending that email, I went to Twitter and I saw Megan had just tweeted out a stream of how important it was to support these organizations who were running these conferences. And so I reached out to her and asked if she wanted to form a working group to talk about how we could support people at Randy's conferences and kind of help them recover some of their, their losses. And that's where FOSS Responders kind of started, was just this sort of two of us thinking in the, in the same direction at the same time, maybe in, uh, toward different groups of people. So it really came together as a way to try to figure out how to mobilize different kinds of support, whether it's financial, organizational needs, just getting out there to drive support toward these organizations who've had to cancel their conferences and they won't be serving their communities or they won't be generating income for their foundations or they're just not going to see each other for who knows, months uh, at this point. And if we want these conferences to be here at the end of all of this, if we want there to be a repeat of the conference next year that was canceled earlier this year, we, we need to get together and, and help to make sure that the organizations who run those conferences have the support that they need. Awesome. How has it grown from that initial you two joining together? What, what is it now? What's, what's happening in false responders? I think I want to let Megan take that one. Sure. Well, there's always the storming, forming, norming of any team. And so, of course, we're seeing that with this wonderful volunteer group that stepped up and it's, Amazing one that people at a time of distraction and being pulled in many directions are dedicating time to this. 
and they've made a lot of progress already. So we are setting up all of our infrastructure so that we can create a website, which does exist already, but making sure that it can support this main mission, which is to aggregate the needs of organizations and people that are being impacted by COVID and event cancellations so we can amplify it. And we're also saying that the infrastructure so we can accept funding applications and also start the fundraising so that there's enough funds in there to support as many people as we can, as many projects as we can. And so we're in the setup stage. We have a lot of great work going on already, but we definitely need more people because one of the things that we've learned from others who have done first responding and other, and other ways is said, do this in a buddy system. And don't do this alone. Don't take on a work stream by yourself because you never know what is going to happen. We're all dealing with this. It's, it's an emotional journey for all of us. We're being pulled in different directions. Some of us have family members with us full time that would normally not be with us full time. There's all kinds of things happening. And we all need a chance to refill our oxygen tanks. And so one of the things we've done is create this buddy system. So for example, Dwayne and I are buddies on just calling the meetings and keeping things organized. But we also need buddies to help us on for designers and outreach and some of the infrastructure setup that we have. So we, we definitely do need more people to help us on this initiative. Awesome. I think you need another web developer. I think the only yeah. one is Richard Littower at the moment. <laughs> we need more. So I have a silly question. And I, I know the answer to this question, and I'm, I'm, I will be devil's advocate. I'm also very involved for those of you listening. But my question is, say I'm a developer who doesn't go to that many events or like maybe goes to a meetup every few months. Why does it matter that the events are canceled? Aren't they just for large corporations anyway? Like, why does it matter to me as an open source developer whether or not people can go to some foreign city and have a good time? I, ha- I have my own response to this, but Megan, I, I, I want to hear yours and then I'll, I'll give sort of my bit after. Go for it. No. Okay. So one of the metaphors that our team uses to discuss the open source ecosystem is that we want people to think about the open source ecosystem the way you think about the ocean. All right. So it's not about having a couple of really large healthy fish or big projects coming from big organizations. There is a lot of activity all across the entire ecosystem that is really important if the whole thing is going to be healthy. And that you know, can start as far back as making sure that we're not polluting the ecosystem with projects and with code that it doesn't need or that isn't helpful. In that ecosystem, you need places where the community congregates to work together. And the conferences and events, whether they're 25,000-person events or 200-person events or 25-person meetups, these are the reefs of the open source ecosystem. This is where different groups come together and they learn from each other. They do work that benefits each other. They, they just, this is where everything happens. And so if you're a developer who uses open source every day and don't think that these events are important, there are all kinds of activities that happen at these events that support your projects, that support your language ecosystem, that support the things that you use every day that really, really derive a lot of benefit from these conferences. And and that can just be as simple as driving adoption for the project and helping to onboard new contributors. 
some projects uh, get together and have their developer meetups at conferences and, and drop releases and ship. And the evangelism that happens at these conferences is, is the thing that allows people to take that technology back into their own companies, into their own workspaces, into their own contexts, and, and use it effectively. And so this is akin to my mind to a coral bleaching event, right, across the open source uh, conference ecosystem. And, you know, if we want them, again, to, to continue to be sustainable, if we want the organizations that run them to continue to be sustainable, then we need to take some kind of action and respond in the opposite. Yeah, I agree with everything. Also, that was a beautiful metaphor there with the coral bleaching. And it's true. It's like I said, I put on my hat when I was the executive director of Drupal and I spent eight years working on that project. And it's a community driven project. There are no corporate backers, so to speak. And so, it, you know, we can really see it from that pure perspective of these are events that are accelerators and they do it in a very structured way, but in a serendipitous way too. So it happens you accelerate community growth and onboarding new community members and introducing them into the culture and the project and helping them bridge that gap from like newcomer to first contributor. You're also accelerating innovation as a community because you're together doing sprints and you can really unblock things that are really hard to collaborate on or having those serendipitous conversations that really help you leapfrog innovation. And then, of course, there's the adoption and getting all the vendor ecosystem and helping them understand how to use the software and get more people on board. And, and it's this virtuous cycle, right? It's a very important part of the virtuous cycle in open source. And so when this is deflated or removed, it has a real impact on the growth in all these areas. There's another part of it too, like when I was the executive director, I would use these events to listen to the needs of the community, prioritize how we help them, where we put our investments for the next year, right? So the other thing too is as an organization, we use these events to get in front of our funders and really make sure that we had the commitments we needed for the cash flow to fuel our mission. And so that work is kind of being taken away, that's really hard for these organizations to then get in front of everyone as fast as they need to at a time of need and a little bit of, you know, chaos (laughs) and trying to get people's attention to to make sure they have the commitments for for this upcoming year. So that's something else to keep in mind, which is why if you have a project you're dependent on, you should reach out, be proactive, see how you can help them because right now they need your help. What, you know, I, I know that, the Python Software Foundation relies heavily on the income from the the PSF, their their yearly conference, PyCon. Now, have you been in touch with those types of organizations that are heavily dependent upon that revenue? So we're I think we're still coordinating our response around that. We've been collecting the information as it's been surfaced to us by these organizations. So I know the Drupal Association posted a blog post last week that said, in the event that we have to cancel DrupalCon, here's about the range of what we expect our losses to be. And when the Python Software Foundation needed to cancel PyCon, I know that they're still working on how what, what the impact of that is going to be for them. What I really want us to do as a community is coordinate how we reach out to these organizations so that 50 sponsors of the Python Software Foundation don't immediately reach out to Betsy over at the Python Software Foundation 
and she gets 50 emails that says, how bad is it, right? So coordinating how we reach out to these organizations to find out what their need is and making sure that we're doing it in a, in a cohesive way, asking the same sets of information so that we can get our, our hands around the need. That is decidedly the next step to my mind of, of where we need to be going from here. We have some anecdotes that we've, we've gathered from organizations, but there hasn't been yet a, a collective coordinated outreach. And that's, that's a, a, an area where we could definitely use some help. But before Megan gives her answer, I just want to say I love Betsy. Betsy's awesome. Hi, Betsy. We're in the process of reaching out, so like my answer is pretty similar to Dwayne's. And I think I think that's a really great point. We want to help, but you can overhelp. We we can create an avalanche of help, and it is really hard for a small organization to triage all the helpfulness. So uh, we definitely hope that the people in projects will start surfacing their needs through fast responders to make it transparent, so we can amplify it and help make it a little bit more easy to manage. And just to clarify, it, Foster Responders isn't just about organizations, right? You're also interested in individuals who are working on projects. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we talked about as a group was there are many ways to give. And now is the time to give what you can in the ways that you can. We don't want to compete with people's funding mechanisms at all. So for an example, if you are a, a vendor and you already have a relationship with a foundation, pay directly. That's great. All that matters is that you're giving. There might be an individual, a maintainer who's a freelancer who lost um, all their travel funds. They couldn't get the refund from the airline or whatnot. And they may put out a call for me through GitHub sponsors. And if that's the best way to reach them and to help them, please do so. We want to make sure we're amplifying all the needs. And if an individual has financial strains because of this situation, but they are falling to the gaps of these traditional funding mechanisms, they can apply to the FOSS Responders Fund, and we can help them that way. Awesome. Um, one of the things I'm curious about is that this is, this is really focused on like events, right? And what happens with the event ecosystem in the case of open source. The open source ecosystem is much bigger than events. Events are only a part of it. Well, they are the reef, which we collectively nibble at occasionally. We also have other things that are happening right now. Dwayne recently sent me an email from Mozilla. Um, Dwayne, do you want to talk about that? Sure. So our, we have some friends over at Mozilla. Yohai Ben-Avi runs a program over at the Mozilla Foundation called MOSS, the Mozilla Open Source Support Program. They do a lot of grant writing for open source projects that align with Mozilla's mission. They just announced maybe five minutes before we started recording the show, that they had put together a COVID-19 solutions fund that is specifically geared toward providing awards to open source technology projects that are responding to the COVID-19 pandemic in one way or another. It is a little more focused on specific technology implementations that are open source that are in response to it. Richard, I think the, the question that you were sort of pointing at moments ago is the idea that the COVID-19 is very big. This is a very particular narrow problem that we're attempting to, to take on. One of the reasons that we narrowed the focus to that is, is because you can't boil the ocean and certainly not with two or 20 people. You, you had asked earlier, how has FOSS responders grown? You know, it started from an email to Megan 
a tweet to Twitter, 20 people on a call the next day and 20 people on the call ever since with, from representing various organizations who have, who have been involved. And that's a, a, a great group of people, but there are still only 20 of us. And trying to coordinate a, a cohesive response to the entire problem of COVID-19 with 20 people, even if I have buddies who are on the call here to, to help, it's, it's just not realistic. So by, by setting a very tight scope for this is the problem that we're going to take on, it can, it can help us make decisions about how to handle requests that come in that really need help, but we're not the people to help. And what we want to do for those folks is aggregate other resources for them so that they know where to go to get the kind of help they need. So by way of example, if one of the open source ventilator projects came to FOSS responders and say, hey, we're working on this project, we think this is a really good idea and we need some help, it's not in scope for the FOSS responders project that we're working on but sending them to the COVID-19 Solutions Fund to see if they could get help. We want to have access to that information so we could send people where they, where they can get help. Thank you. I, I want to switch hats from interviewer to interviewee as a false responder right now. Um, the scoping has really helped me personally. And I think for people listening to this who may not have issues with false responders, may not have an event that was canceled, it's something that you can definitely take away. The buddy system is really useful to fight burnout. Having someone who's there to be like, hey, do you want me to follow up this time? Or are you okay doing it? It's just that alone is awesome. But for me, I found one of the best things is actually the scoping of it. I'm not trying to save the world, right? I'm living in my apartment right now, which is fine. I was doing that normally before. But like, I am staying indoors. I'm trying not to go outside too much except for exercise. I'm not seeing friends. And I feel like I'm not doing enough. I always feel like I'm not doing enough, you know, like maybe I should earn more money so I can help out people who are friends of mine who won't be able to pay their rent next month or something. And, and taking all that stress and anxiety and saying, well, actually, you're doing a tiny bit. Cross responders is an example of something that you're doing to deal with COVID that's not just reactive, but actually, you know, active. And you don't have to solve the world. The world isn't your problem. Your problem is your little niche and where your focus is and how much you're able to take on. And that's been really helpful to me in dealing with this. So I wanted to raise that as, as a point of why it scopes so well and how that actually helps the people who are organizing it. Megan and Dwayne, have you two had, had similar thoughts? There's a couple of things that I want to call out specifically. One of them is that this, this buddy system that we landed on was highlighted as a thing that we needed to do by a woman named Heather Leeson, who does crisis response for International Red Cross and Red Crescent. And when Alyssa from Open Collective tagged her into a conversation and she gave some general guidelines for here's how not to blow yourself up during crisis response, buddy system is one one of the things that we use a lot. And in the process of highlighting the buddy system for the call, Richard, in the very first call, you were really clear, Dwayne, you can't do this yourself. Do you need help? And it, I think it was the second call, Megan, where you said, Dwayne, do you need a buddy for these calls? And in both of those cases, I was completely ignoring the fact that there's no way that I, I could have you know, continued to drive things without, without the kind of help that we've been getting. So. The buddy system was brought to our group by a contributor who had, you know, some expertise in a specific area that could help guide us. And we are where we are today because we've been supporting each other and, and pushing this forward. 
So you're saying someone else shared a way of doing things without putting restrictions on how that was shared, and then it was useful in your community. Fascinating. I've never heard of anything like that. Amazing how that happens. And I love it. It was sharing a talent we just didn't have. It's not a technical talent. It is a core skill talent. And, you know, I think that's what's also great about this project is we are very diversified and the types of talents that we are leaning into to make this happen. I agree. I think we've covered false responders pretty well. For those of you who want to learn more, go to falseresponders.com. It'll also tell you how to get involved. It's a very active project. We're working very hard on it. We have new designs that are coming soon. Take a look at it. And if you have other open source things that are going on in the world and you want to highlight it, there's a Slack group in the Open Collective Slack. It's opencollective.slack.com. And the Slack group is Crisis Working Group, I believe. And we'll be always willing to look at stuff. We also have a discourse forum at community.sustainoss.com. Uh, which is a bit shallow in activity at the moment, but can be scaled up to meet your needs. And thank you, everyone, for for listening. And thank you, Megan and Dwayne, for talking about false responders. Before we sign off, is there anything that you feel you really want to get out that might help our listeners to deal with COVID-19 in their open source world? Yes, slack.opencollective.com instead of opencollective.slack.com. Fascinating. Thank you. Megan, Dwayne? I would just say, I think the biggest learning is just check your oxygen tank. You know, sustainability really does start with yourself and how well you're sustaining yourself through this time. And we all want to jump in and help. And we have demands at work and demands maybe with family and friends and providing more emotional support than we've ever had to do. And so I just remind everyone to start with yourself and just do a check-in and Keep minding your self-care, even if it's something little like just taking a 10-minute break, but keep checking on your oxygen tank. I have so many things. If you use open source software, if you use free software in your everyday work, check in on the communities who support that software and make sure they have what they need right now. You may not know if they have been hit by the conference and event cancellations, but if they have and they're scrambling to pivot to doing a virtual conference or an online conference, there are opportunities for you to help. If they have maintainers who are losing income because people are starting to get judicious about where they're doing their giving, you have an opportunity to help. If they are impacted, by conference and event cancellation, send them to FOSS responders to ask for help. FOSSresponders.com, there's three ways to ask for help on the, on the front of the website. If you sponsor events or conferences that have been canceled and those conferences support the free and open source software ecosystem, check in and see that they have what they need. You have an opportunity to help. Send them to FOSS responders and have them ask for help. This might be challenging for some folks. It's, it's difficult to go public or even semi-public with how bad of a financial hit you're taking as a result of having to cancel conferences or things like this. If they want to raise those concerns to us privately, there are ways to do that. But it's, I've been thinking about this like going to the doctor. I think a lot of the event organizers around this 
have taken some kind of hurt, but don't want to show the doctor where it hurt or how bad it is, right? We cannot come together to support the community this way and to help make sure that these conferences and events are sustainable if we don't know how bad the problem is. So everybody that asks for help helps us turn around and go back to the people from whom we want to raise funds and say, here's how big the need is and here's how, what, what kind of funds we need to mobilize. So check in on the conferences that you attend, check in on the conferences that you sponsor, check on the projects that you use see how they're doing, and if they're taking the kind of hit that FOSS responders can help them with, send them our way, and let's, let's see how much good we can do. Thank you so much. Is there anywhere we can find you, Dwayne, or you, Megan, on the internet to follow you individually around? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Megan Sanaki. Awesome. Dwayne? There's very few Dwayne O'Briens with the spelling that I use, so if you Google me, it's going to come to me, but Dwayne O'Brien on Twitter is, is uh, the easiest place. What is the spelling you use? D-U-A-N-E-O-B-R-I-E-N. Thank you. And that's Sanicky, S-A-N-I-C-K-I. Thank you so much, Megan and Dwayne. It was great having you on. And stay safe, stay warm, stay well, be in touch with your loved ones, drink lots of fluids. Everyone should drink lots of fluids. And that's all for now. Wash your hands, everybody. And wash, wash your, your hands. hands. Yes. Thanks, y'all. Thanks so much. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. With 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, with enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage options, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash sustain.